We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We are here to cover the pending decision by Cam Williams from Illinois. We are going to go live here as soon as they go live to Cam. We will go live there. Cam Williams is a 2024 receiver from the Chicago area from Glen Ellen, Michigan. He goes to Glenbard South High School. Very talented player, Ryan. It's down to Notre Dame, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Cincinnati. For a long time, it really it really was Notre Dame and Michigan are really the two finalists. So let's just kind of briefly, as we wait for Cam to get rolling, just kind of talk about just his finalists. You know, you had a chance to talk to Cam about his five finalists. Just kind of mm-hmm. share a little bit about what he said about the schools, what he likes as we as we wait for Cam to to get ready to make his announcement. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that things that kind of were reiterated through every school, Brian, for the most part, is the simple fact that. Like, hey, he had his criteria going in. Very well thought out kid. Very thoughtful. He wanted great academics. He wanted a chance to play high level football, and he wanted a chance also to mm-hmm. make it to the NFL. Right? Like, those are the kind of the, the checking points there. So, I think each one of those brings it in a different volume. But the question is, which one kind of hit those criteria yeah. most in this yeah. group? Yeah, they're uh, they're talking to Cam now. So let's go to him. Actually, they're going to commercial. So. Of course they are. Why we're, wouldn't we're, they? We're going to we're going to avoid the first commercial break and then we'll go to Cam <laughs> when they get back. You know, the thing I like about him, Ryan, is is, you know, he's been he's been very thoughtful through this process. I always get nervous when young kids make early decisions. Sure. And this is a kid that didn't has not. I mean, he's making a very early decision. Uh, but he's also not a kid that rushed his rushed his decision. It's just kind of like I just knew. And so we I mean. He's made his decision. He's just going to announce it tonight, and we're going to all find out what that is. But when you talk to him, I mean, talk to him about Irish Invasion. You've talked to him. You've talked to the coach. This is a really cerebral kid, and you know, and and, and that's why as, as I'm reading kind of through your announcement, it's like a lot of the similar things. It's like, you know, school I admired as a kid. Not like I was a fan of, but I admired as a kid. Then he says I was a huge fan of them, you know, but it's just – he admires the school first, then he's a fan of the team. You know, Cincinnati, he talks about, you know, knowing about Alec Pierce, Notre Dame, I've talked about the academics. Uh, you know, really, really thoughtful kid. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, this is a guy that, that Notre Dame didn't get on until May. So, I mean, they were playing catch up a little bit with, with Cam Williams too, Ryan, because they, they did offer him a little later than some of the other schools did. Yeah, they did. And it's, it's a great point. I, I would say for me, everything I've talked to with Cam just kind of sporadically throughout the process and his coach, this was something where they had a pretty good idea early on, you know, kind of during his freshman year was kind of the, the starting point of like, hey, he, he might have a shot to be pretty special because he comes from a program where they have FBS kids pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. They had an Illinois kid about 10 years ago, but this is the highest caliber recruit that they have ever had at Glenbard South. So everyone knows the caliber of player he is, but and, I think everything I've and, heard from him, sorry. And, and they're kicking to him now. So let's get this gotcha. rushing rolling. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife is the coffee drinker in our house. So when I told her about trying out Trade Coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey Trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And right now for Irish Breakdown listeners, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started when taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. As I mentioned, coming off a 37 reception season, your sophomore year of high school. So the college team that you're going to choose is getting a productive player. Which college team will that be? The floor is now yours, Cam. Oh, no doubt. So um, after much consideration, um, I'd like to say I'll be going to the University of Notre Dame. That was quick. (laughs) 
Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, Cam, congrats on the decision. Why don't you tell Irish fans what kind of player Notre Dame will be getting? Um, definitely an exciting one. Definitely one who's going to make a contribution. So, uh, with that being said, uh, go Irish. Yeah. Who do you, hey, Cam, who do you have there with you? Uh, this is uh, my mom and my granddad. Congratulations on that. I'm, I'm curious, Cam, because we get a lot of players that ultimately have to make a decision about where they'll play their ball on the next level. How tough was this decision for you? Um, I mean, for me, I think it was just kind of one of those things where um, it was just the right, right moment and all those uh, buns were just clicking. Um, so I, I'd say it was kind of a hard one, but at the same time, um, I, I, knew, I knew it was the right one, though. That's Cam Williams, who will take his talents next to South Bend. Hey, Cam, congratulations and best of luck on the next level. Thank you so much. That might have been my favorite commitment ever. That's the shortest I've ever seen. We're not going to waste time with all this stuff. We're going to get right to the point. And Cam Williams has committed to the University of Notre Dame. Ryan, the 2024 train just keeps rolling. And the first thing I'm going to say is, like, this is about Cam Williams. But the reality is, is that, as we know, he's committed now. A big part of it is C.J. Carr. Sure. Having C.J. Carr in the class has played a big role in this. And that is when he talked about it was hard, but I just knew. Mm-hmm. I think it was hard because he really liked Michigan a lot. Sure. He really liked – and Michigan did a good job recruiting him. He liked Wisconsin. He liked Cincinnati and what they were selling. Notre Dame got in late, but recruited him hard. It was Dylan McCullough recruited him. Tommy Reese recruited him. Chancey Stuckey recruited him. Great team effort there. And I think the schools were kind of even, and Notre Dame and Michigan had kind of emerged as the two leaders. And this was going to kind of go on for a while. But once once C.J. Carr jumped in the board and that relationship had been growing for a long time, it really was the thing that was the final piece of the puzzle for 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 Cam Williams. And I know you've talked to his coach tonight. You know, Before the show, you talked to his quote coach to kind of get some – uh, you know, get some quotes for a story about, yep. you know, why he made this decision. So, you know, just kind of give your thoughts on on really this process, what led Cam to this decision, because he just kind of said, hey, that's what I'm doing, and this is where I'm going to go. And, you know, just kind of what you heard from from his coach and those different type of things. I mean, first and foremost, to kind of reiterate what you said, that was one of my favorite commitment videos I've ever seen, man. Like, he, I, it was great. I, it, most kids draw it out a little bit, and CBS Sports tries to draw it out, right? right? They tried. You know, the they ratings. tried there. I mean, they, that's props to that to that interviewer because he was trying. To, he was, he was yeah. To, I mean, he, he was, was trying to keep it going. And I like the interviewer too because he didn't force it. He's like, right. yeah, this kid's not giving me much. Like he's yeah. he's just ready yeah. and he's juiced up to be part of the Notre Dame yeah. program. So, yeah. like like Brian said, I got to talk to co- to talk. I got a chance, excuse me, to talk to Coach Chrissy, who is the coach at mm-hmm. Glenbard South, and. I mean, Brian, it's, it became really apparent after just listening to the coach and listening to a couple interviews that Cam has done in the past that this kid is just a fit, right? Like, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, he's self-driven, self-disciplined, physical football player who wants to be outstanding and wants to be the best. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you for the fact that you have to mention CJ Carr for a minute, right? right? This is the impact that a five-star quarterback can have in a class. There's no right. doubt about that. The other layer of it is, is that Cam Williams sees himself at Notre Dame, right? Yes. Like that is the fit in every aspect. Coach uh, Chrissy talked about the criteria that Cam had. High academic kid, wants to be pushed, which I mm-hmm. love, wants to be incredible, wants to be the best, and he has a 
I th- he summed it up perfectly, and it, it was a quote I had to use for the, use for the piece. So people that aren't re- – obviously, you're not going to read until tomorrow morning. But he said, quote for quote, Marcus Freeman summed it up perfectly to Cam. He said, where else are you going to get an Ivy League education, compete to play in the playoffs, and prepare for the NFL? Mm-hmm. All Every world is covered with Notre Dame, and I think that's why it has led to Cam Williams committing tonight. The thing I like, too, is – you know, the thing about Cam is he knows very well that Notre Dame is bringing a big wide receiver class the year ahead of him. He knows mm-hmm. that. That's been reported everywhere. It's been expressed to him by Notre Dame, and it hasn't phased him at all. This isn't a thing where him committing means Notre Dame takes one less guy in 2024, three. And it has not, no bearing on what Notre Dame does in 2023. And I, I love that aspect of it, right? Like, this is a kid, like you said, he he wants to be pushed. He's not afraid of Braylon James and Jaden Greathouse and Ronan Hannafin and Rico Flores and Micah Tease and all the other receivers being linked to Notre Dame. This is a kid that sees that, that Notre Dame is a value in every regard. He's going to have to compete no matter where he goes. I think that also says a lot about, about this young man and and just the kind of player he is and, and the kind of young man he is. And I mean, you saw it in the thing, right? This is a no nonsense kid. This isn't a kid that's trying to, you know, do things to build up a social media following and all that kind no. of stuff. This is a, hey, Cam, how are you? I'm great. With that being said, I'm going to Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Like, uh, absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Really no-nonsense kid. Really, like I said, real thoughtful kid. Uh, and just you, you, the kind of kid that, you, like you said, Ryan, you don't have to talk to him for very long to be like, oh, yeah, this kid's fitting on fitting great at Notre Dame. I, I, lis- I listened to him interview for about 20 seconds, and I'm like, yup. Like, th- there's just some kids, man, that you just listen to, and it's like, moments notice you're like yep that's a Notre Dame kid it's like I felt the same way when I listened to Jaden Osbury it's just like yep okay like I see this one it makes total sense why Notre Dame would be high on them and then why they would also reciprocate that right Mm -hmm. like that's what I see and Cam Williams I think hits all those criteria again and let's talk about for for a second Brian because I know we're probably gonna watch film at some point Mm -hmm. during this show right? right but we're talking about here folks just for a second he just turned 16 years old Six one and a half, right around six foot two, up to 190 pounds. Went to the Irish invasion. Brian told you this before, so it's not breaking news. Four four seven in the forty, and also broad jump ten foot two inches. Like this kid right. is a pretty impressive athlete, yeah, man. So b- big time pickup from every aspect, in my opinion, on this one. You know, and he's one of those kids, Ryan. That 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 I even said this in my film evaluation. Like he kind of had to grow on me a little bit because sure. he's su- he's super smooth. And sometimes you sometimes you watch a guy play and you're like, wow, this guy's this guy's athletic. This guy's explosive. Cam mm-hmm. is more smooth than he is twitchy. And the next thing you know, like, wow, he's running by people. Like, wow, okay. This is... And then then you see the four four seven at the Irish invasion, and you're like, okay, you know, this guy's this guy's bringing a little something. But you know, when when you look at when you look at the recruitment, Ryan, this just again, it kind of goes to show just sort of the power that Notre Dame is wielding right now in the Midwest. I mean, there's Notre Dame, Ohio State, and then everybody else. I mean, right now it's like if Notre Dame or Ohio State are involved in a Midwestern kid, you might as well just be like, you know what, we'll find somebody else. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, really, who's the only school that's beaten Notre Dame for a Midwestern North, Northeastern kid that they've wanted in a 23 or 24 class? It's Ohio State. Ohio and who's the only yeah. school in the North that's beaten Ohio State for kids that they wanted in a 23 or 24 class? Notre Dame. It's fair. And I mean, that's kind of where it is. They, they are separating themselves so much. And, and I'm going to have an article probably Friday uh, because there's another decision that's being announced tomorrow. That's a Notre Dame, Michigan decision uh, with mm-hmm. Charles Jagasaw, who who's going to announce tomorrow between one of those two schools. The, the thorough domination that is happening right now, 
with Notre Dame and Michigan on the recruiting trail right after Michigan went to the college football playoff is staggering. I mean, it, it's not even like Notre Dame's winning six to three. They're, it's a shutout right now. I mean, it's yeah. been a complete shutout right now. And it, I, I've never seen anything like this with a school of Michigan stature and the season that they're coming off of. I mean, it is a thorough recruiting beatdown that is happening right now. And, and we always talk about, Brian, that they have to close the gap in Ohio State in order to supplant Ohio State, right, as the Midwest power as far as recruiting, to your point. In order to get even to that level, you have to put everybody else in the dust, right? Like, and, you, and right now, Michigan and any other school that you want to claim is a Midwest power to a degree on the recruiting trails is far behind Notre Dame right now. Notre Dame mm-hmm. is clear number two to Ohio State. And now it's about the next push, right? The next push. And right now, Notre Dame has, by most platforms, the number one recruiting class in 2023 and the number one in 2024. Well, they've so. fallen behind Ohio State. But that's going to change by the end of Friday, yes. uh, you know. Yes, and then, is. and then Texas is ahead of them on rivals. It, you were you were working today, Ryan, and you were you were doing some stuff with your daughter when this happened. They picked up Jonte Cook today, but they have two. They're two guys ahead of Notre Dame. By the end of Friday, I expect them to be way past Texas. And then by the time we get through Monday, you know, I think that separation is going to be even greater. But we'll see. We'll see how the things pick out. But your point stands. Notre Dame is is right now and again, but it's Notre Dame, Ohio State in a battle for that number one and number two spot. I mean, that's that's yep. the reality of it. And there's no other mid northern school that's even in the ball game at this point in time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's been really. I mean, we we knew that that he was going to recruit well. Coach Freeman was going to recruit well. Sure, but I honestly did not expect it to be sort of you know. Even when Lou Holtz was was here and, and doing the things he was doing, Ryan, it was like Michigan would still get theirs. Mm-hmm. But it's like right now, I mean, it is. You know who has the next highest? I mean, Penn State sitting there at number five. I guess they kind of count as the north, right? Yeah. And sure. then after that, the next highest ranked class is Cincinnati. The next highest ranked wow. northern school is Cincinnati. That's crazy. You That's know? crazy and, to think about. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Northwestern has a higher ranked class right now than Michigan. It's not a, it's not a good thing. And this is just, and that's 23. This is obviously 24. Notre Dame now has two kids from the state of, of Michigan in the 2023, 2024 class. They have a player from uh, Illinois now and a player from New Jersey. It just backs up what we were talking about the other day, Ryan, which is Notre Dame is also taking advantage of the fact that this is a, this has been a strong two year stretch of Northern talent. And Notre yes. Dame is cashing in because you're you're seeing a quarterback, defensive end, receiver is what we were just talking about. Not not O line, tight end, you know, linebacker. It's been the skill players. Yeah, right. It's, exactly. It's been skill players. It's huge. Yep. It's, it's a non traditional two year span in the North for sure. You're getting what are typically unusual, I guess, is what you would call it. The the, the position of strengths as far as mm-hmm. in the North, because like you said, you're getting the skill positions now, which is big time, man. I mean, again, but we've talked about this. Cam Williams is an Illinois kid. It's the backyard for Notre Dame, right? If you want that kid, a potential top 100 recruit at wide receiver in the state of Illinois, you got to get him and mm-hmm. applaud to Notre Dame. They, they did it, and they did it yeah. very early. So let's talk about the class impact for Cam Williams and what this means for Notre Dame in 2024. To begin, obviously, Ryan, when you, when you look at this sort of holistically – and we talked about this on our, our show yesterday uh, where we were talking about the Notre Dame receiving core. We've talked about this in recruiting shows. 
look, Notre Dame can't just do well at receiver in 23, and they can't just do well at receiver in 24. For Notre Dame to really restock their depth chart to the point of, again, what are we what are we talking about here for Notre Dame? The goal is to be a, a, a national championship contender and then to be able to win a championship, not beat nine or ten of the teams on your schedule with just having better players. It's it's about the standard of getting to the level where you're beating Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia on the field as well. You have to, numbers-wise and impact-wise, you need strong classes in 23 and 24. That means two things. Number one, the 23 class is going to be more of the volume plus impact talent class. Right now, we think Notre Dame's going to at least have four in that class. If they have four in that class, I think they'll take four in the 2024 class. If they take five in the 23, in the 23 class, then I think they could get away with maybe only taking three in the 2024 class, barring there being some position changes. <clears throat> So I think right now, it, it the focus on 23, 24, this is getting confusing. The, the focus on the 2024 class right yep. now is more on impact talent and not so much on, on numbers. And so sure. that's the focus in 24. So even though the board is big, when you look at the talent that's on the board in 2024, there's a lot of really, really talented, like high-level players, and they view Cam Hart as being that kind of, kind of guy. So he clearly gives Notre Dame a really strong foundation with which to now build on in the 2024 class when it comes to a re- not just a receiver, but also an offensive overall offensive skill standpoint. And, and I mean, real quick to reemphasize why the numbers matter so much. Like you said, I mean, we've talked about this before seven scholarship receivers on, on the roster right now, next year after the season at most, you're going to have is four, right? Cause the lens Lindsay, Joe Wilkins and Avery Davis to graduation. So you are going to go into next season in 2024 for this 20, or I'm sorry, in 2023, My when bad. this next group, no, nah, it's not your fault. <laughs> when this next group shows up, you're only going to have four scholarship receivers. So whether it's four, whether it's five, getting impact talent that also has depth to it is paramount. And then to your point, it needs to be two classes in a row because you you're in a you're in a time now where with the transfer portal the way it is. You don't know how long you're going to be able to keep players. You just don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, what, what was that stat, Brian? It was like with um, what, what was it like the Jordan Johnson like class, right? Like all yeah. those guys left before they're the either left or they were moved. Like so, two of them left after their first year, and then Xavier Watts moved to safety. Uh, right. safety. However, the the it was two years in a row, Ryan. The 19 and the 2020 receiver classes have zero players left on the roster at receiver. There's only two period left on the roster at all. They signed five kids over the two-year period. They signed Cam Hart and Kendall Abdurrahman in 19. They signed Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts, and Jay Brunel in 2020. And Xavier Watts and Cam Hart are both playing in the secondary, and the rest are gone. And none of them lasted more than a year. And for different reasons, right? But the reality is, is you you know, you lost five kids in an offseason. And only sure. one of them made sense. Micah Jones was a junior. He had graduated. That one is a normal departure. But you lost Jordan Johnson. You lost Kendall Abdurrahman, who left after two years, excuse me. You lost uh, Lawrence Keyes, who was uh, you know a senior who would have been a very I – mean, receiver depth chart looks a whole lot different this year if Lawrence Keyes is still on the, on the team, right? I mean, sure. just from a, a, an experience in numbers and, and talent standpoint. You know, and then, and then uh, so you lost Jay Brunel – which it, that one was a man, I wish I could share that story, but you know, just it's one of those things that just kind of piss you off to be completely honest with you about how things were handled and treated and all that kind of stuff. But that was kind of the story. So now you're in a situation, Ryan, where 
you've got to restock the depth chart. And it is hard in a two-year span to restock the depth chart with with top to bottom, just high-level players, but that's what they're trying to do, right? It's not just about numbers. They're trying to land guys who can have an impact. Braylon James is that guy in 2023. He started that class off. Cam Cam Williams starts off the 2024 class at receiver. And it's, boy, I tell you what, it's a really good start in both classes. There's no question about it. 100%. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think the thing about Cam Williams too, is we're talking about a 16 year old, right? Like we have no idea how good this kid can be. I mean, in just a two year span, and Matt, just think back to like when you were 16 years old, how much you matured from a sophomore in high school to a senior, like this kid could be a completely different animal in two years too, on top of the traits that he already has. So it's extremely exciting. He's dynamic, dynamic athlete. And he is, everything that Notre Dame needs in all aspects of the word. So great starting point for the 2024 class. There's no doubt about it with CJ Carr now mixed in with Jack Larson pass passing game is looking pretty good so far in 2024. Very good start. And again, it just shows what kind of impact you can have on a, when you get a big time quarterback, because again, Jack Larson, we said it during Jack Larson's commitment show. He was not anticipating committing this early. It wasn't until C.J. Carr came to Notre Dame that was like, okay, yeah, that's a done deal. Same thing with Cam Williams. Do I think Notre Dame would have ultimately landed Cam Williams? I do. We've always felt that. I thought ultimately he would end up at Notre Dame because just the academic reputation from a football and, you know, an academic standpoint is just stronger. And everybody's old Michigan ranks this. It's just the, the reputation is not there as far as the opportunities that are there for football players when it comes to from a recruiting standpoint. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was, I think they were ultimately going to get him, but the CJ Carr thing certainly sped it up. Escalated it quickly for yeah. sure. Yeah. So next Ryan, we're going to, we're going to first pop in the film and, and we've talked about Cam's game. We did that after the Irish invasion, but we haven't actually popped up the film. So I'm going to pull up the film. Now we're going to watch some film and then we're just going to talk about his game period. Just overall his game as we walk, as we go through film. After we're done t- going through the film, we're then going to kind of talk about his fit. You know, we had a question from uh, from Bob Albano asking if he slotted as an X or a slot. I think W is also one to consider. We'll dive into that. We'll answer Bob's question then. Uh, I was asked, we were asked a question with a super chat that we'll get to about how he compares to Braylon James. But I want to I want to discuss all that stuff after we've popped in the film so everybody can kind of have it fresh in their heads about what this young man brings to the table. So let's go ahead and bring that up, Ryan. So. We're going to move to the film room session of this breakdown and and share with you guys kind of what Cam does. And, and I think you all are going to uh, like him a whole lot. So he's going to be the team, obviously, as you can see here, with the blue jerseys, white helmets. So let's dive into some Cam Williams film, Ryan. And I think the first thing that we'll see here is the length. He's got really good length. I, and, and this is kind of the thing that I was talking about, Ryan, right away. He doesn't look super explosive here but this kid just quickly gets on top of and runs right by these corners. I mean, these DBs, I mean, he does it in a hurry. I think the word I used the other day was he kind of lulls you to sleep, right? Cause he's such a glider. He doesn't mm-hmm. look like he's moving extremely fast. Then you're just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He just ran past me. That's not great. Yeah. And he's, and he's very after, smooth. And, yep. And then you see the after the catch ability, obviously on the neck, on the next play there, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. got some, I think that I definitely like him more with, you know, working kind of down the field comparative to like, you know, working after the catch, but he has shown on his level that he can also do that at a good level as well. He's one of those guys that you talk about being good at. He's very good after the catch, but in a, in a more traditional receiver, good after the catch, he can make a sudden cut. 
right. he can catch a crossing route and outrun you. You know, he's got mm-hmm. the vision where he can split two defenders with that with that burst, that vertical burst. He's not a guy that is going to, you know, shake and shake and shake and make a bunch of people miss. He's a guy that's going to, you know, use his speed and his his suddenness, his, his balance really to 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 get open. I think the other thing you look at is is you see it here too. He he's got a good catch radius. He's got long arms. Really easy body control makes this catch look really easy. And that's another thing is he's got really strong hands, Ryan. And I love the fact that he is a he is a hands catcher. He is not a body catcher at all. This is another example. A lot of guys will try to – you watch him here, Ryan. His hands are up, right, mm-hmm. instead of – a lot of guys – so here, let me let me pause this real quick and let's bring us up because I want to explain this. So a lot of guys on jump balls will kind of go like this because they kind of feel like they got to get their hands in front of the defender. But if you watch him, he does not do that on this particular play, Ryan. He actually has, snatches the ball like there isn't a defender right there. Oops, let me get that up there. So watch this play. Watch how his hand technique is. This is the hands of a guy who's really confident. So like he snatches it like he's just like a normal receiver. And now the thing I would say about that too is I do want to see him attack the ball a little bit more there, right? Like with his body, not his hands, with his body, where he kind of fades away from the ball. I want to see him kind Mm -hmm. of explode up more. But again, we're talking about a sophomore. This is sophomore film that we're watching right now with, with Cam Williams. Just a sophomore. It's it's really impressive. I don't know if he reminds you of him at all, Brian, but like I, I get Lorenzo Styles vibes when I watch mm-hmm. him. I just think, yeah. you know, he's got that nice length. He's got a long frame, and it's just the smoothness that he plays just so mm-hmm. well. Because I, I think Lorenzo is also a player that kind of lulls you to sleep a little yes. bit, and then you're kind of like, oh, he's faster than I originally anticipated. Yeah. I'll say this too. Uh, Cam is faster than Lorenzo was at that age. Yep. So I remember talking about Lorenzo, Lorenzo when he was a junior saying like, I think this kid has another gear in him. And he showed that as a senior, he played much faster than he did as a, as a junior. Cam mm-hmm. is already a, already in that rate region. So if he has a similar jump, he's going to get even faster. And and the, the number one trait that his coach told me is, by far the best for Cam Williams, and you saw it on the play before mm. this one, is that his body control in the air, he said, is the best yeah. that he's ever seen in person. He said Was it's it, just unreal. This is something I like. Look how clean he is on this this outcut. This this is not – he makes this look way easier than it is. I mean, to to be able to to quickly one-two outcut like that after selling like a fake, that that takes exceptional – foot quickness and, and balance and, and you've got to be you got to have loose hips and when you talk about body control it's harder to have really elite body control if you're tight hipped which means mm-hmm. you know you can't really turn and twist and, and and all that as much i think that is that is the thing that i really like about this and you know he's pretty strong for his age too you know he's not strong compared to you know juniors and seniors but he's strong for his age and that's going to continue to be a, a better part of his game he looks thicker when I saw him at Irish Invasion, he looked thicker than the pictures I've seen of him when he was a, a sophomore in high school. Like well, meeting his, in the fall. His coach said that he's up to 190 pounds this yeah. offseason. So he's he's filled out definitely this yeah. offseason for sure. There it is. Look how quick he's just got really fast hands. He just kind of snaps it up, gets it out of the air, turns up field, starts making moves. Very natural runner. I mean, this isn't something he's going to be making a living on at Notre Dame, but you can just see the easy athleticism, the easy speed. One His route I, running – go ahead, Ryan. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say one other thing that you might notice about him a little bit is when he runs route, he runs with great tempo, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not every, and not everything is 100 miles an hour. Not everything is setting things up, but he understands when I need to throttle a little bit, when I need to work at a different speed. It's a, it's something that is not a natural thing, in my opinion. I mean, well, it, I mean, to a degree, but it's something that is very instinctive about a football mm-hmm. player, the, the ability to understand how to change tempos like that. So. Yeah. One of the things I wrote about my in my class impact story, Ryan, was this is a kid that has has a very high football IQ, and he also is someone who has who has all the athletic skills to be a great route runner. And that football IQ part is is what you're referring to. There's just a natural feel for the game mm-hmm. that a lot of kids don't possess, and you can't you it, you can teach it, but it just takes time. But when a kid has that as a sophomore you, you're like, okay, this kid's got something special. Again, he's not a, an elite elite athlete but he's got very high level intangibles already. And, and I think he's, he's not really, I wouldn't call him polished as much as I would call him. Like I said, like he's, he's instinctive. There's a lot of polish that is still needed from a technical standpoint that I think he'll learn, but he just has a natural feel for the game. That is really impressive to me. Mm -hmm. And he looks like he gets, I mean, you just watch the team play, I mean, just the stances that you see from the receivers, they just, they don't, they get good. Like, for example, this is not Cam Hart. Like, watch this kid right here. Okay, flinches a little bit. Watch the get off here. It's a very clean, efficient get off. So he's going to get good. The point is he's going to get good coaching. So if you're a Notre Dame fan, you know, you say, boy, the next couple of years, this kid's going to really improve where he's going to have a chance to play early because he is a, a, a he's going to be more polished. He's not quite polished yet, but he's going to be. And sure. when you watch this team play, you you, you see that. My favorite note, Brian, is they said that the coach said that they kind of use him more as like a possession type receiver because, you know, if they need a third and five, he's going to run mm-hmm. a six yard hitch route. Like it's just he kind of is their money player. And I just found that really funny because he averaged 18.4. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that like <laughs> their possession receiver averages 18 yards a catch. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's that. I, I was I like, that imagine if they imagine if they played to him being a one trick. Right. Game, average 30. Right. <laughs> right. We're going to turn you into a big play guy. There's just nice, easy hands. And you can tell, Ryan, that he doesn't he doesn't have he's got very soft hands. And what I mean by that is soft hands isn't like you, you know, like you shake someone's hand like, oh, wow, you have very soft hands. It's more about it's more about like the the rigidness of like of of your hands. So, for example, when the ball's coming to, you know, one thing you, you, you teach players is, you know, you want them to kind of have soft, loose fingers, right? You don't want them to be really hard because you don't want any time an object's traveling in one direction and it hits, it hits something that, that is not moving or is very tight and rigid. It's going to have a much harder, you know, it, the, the friction is going to be much harder. You want to have soft, loose hands and snatch the ball out of the air, really absorb it into your, to your frame as opposed to having those really hard hands. And you can see that with Cam. He's got very soft hands. You can see the ball. He just kind of eats up the, the ball, and, and he goes out and gets it. And, again, that's something that's a natural thing for a lot of kids, and he has that. I mean, just the cut. And you, I saw that at Irish Invasion. You see it on film. He's got very soft hands, but strong hands, you know, and that's yeah. that's a big part of it too is they're strong, but they're not rigid. And, you know, I think that's that's kind of the thing I'm trying to say. And what I mean is so I can show now, like some guys, like they're really strained. You know, like I'm going to catch the ball. It's really strained or really hard. You want guys to be loose, you know, like snatch it where there's some flexion there. And that's what Cam does at a very high level. And that's something love, that also adds to it. I used to love, I'm a Rams fan, obviously. So I used to love Torrey Holt and he said it perfectly. He's like, if you're, if you're a natural catcher of the football, I shouldn't hear the football. 
That's just point right. blank to it, right? Like right. I, sh- I shouldn't hear it. He'd, and then he would just kind of, he would demonstrate it. And every time it hit his hands, like you just wouldn't hear anything, right? right. Like you heard nothing of it hitting his hands. That's to the soft hands right. conversation that you're having there. So when I watched the combine and, mm-hmm. and when I met, when I, when I was a coach and I was at camps and they would do the sort of that, that line drill where the receivers run straight across the field Gauntlet, and they're catching yeah. balls from both mm-hmm. sides. I never watched it. I always listen to it. Right. Cause I mean, I can yeah. have somebody tell me how many did he drop, whatever, but I'd, I'd listen to it. Right. Cause I can watch a kid catch the ball. I, I never liked that drill because it's like, like, especially in the combine, they don't catch it. They actually just like throw it down. You know, it's like, yeah. it's silly to me. It's defeating the purpose. But there is, to me, the benefit I got out of it, since I thought the drill was kind of stupid, you know, so, okay, well, let me, let me do that. So I actually wouldn't watch, I wouldn't watch the kid catch the ball. I'd listen. I'd kind of put my head down and I'd listen. Cause like you said, I want to hear how that ball sounds hitting his hand. It's going to have a noise. I mean, that's, it's hyperbolic to say you don't hear it, but sure. there's a, there's a different sound. It's kind of like baseball, right? Like when a guy's got a power hitter, it's like, Oh, that sounded good. That came off the bat. Good. Uh, it like, you know, baseball, it's kind of the opposite of baseball. Baseball is like, you want to hear that thing pop in the mitt, right? You want to hear that thing smack off the bat football. It's more, it's like, it's just like a soft, like a, okay. It's like this throw a basketball up against a brick wall and hear that sound and then throw a basketball up against a mattress. And it's going to, you know what I mean? Like it's going to have a completely different sound and that's where you kind of want to be. And that's what you see from cam. And that's something that I did see from him at the Irish invasion. It's just really soft hands and, and you know again catches the ball really cleanly tracks the that's the other thing we, we didn't talk about during the film run he tracks the deep ball very well he does he he really does and and that's something you need to see he accelerates through the look back he can adjust to the ball where he adjusts but a lot of guys when they work away from the ball they'll work away to the point where it almost let the ball get on their inside shoulder you don't want to do that what he showed at irish invasion and what he showed on just a few of those clips is if the ball leads the ball, he'll he'll track to it, but he'll stay to where he tries to keep that ball in front or to the outside shoulder. That's another mm-hmm. natural thing that I think he does extremely well. I agree completely. And I think that that also plays to the effortless kind of manner that he plays the game and especially down the football field. Like it's because, again, I think like everything is just so controlled with Cam Williams, how he plays the game. And he, that's even as a vertical receiver, like he just kind of. It like some guys you see track of football and you're like, they're kind of all over the place or they have these sudden movements because they don't trust the route they're taking. He just kind of like melts to it, you know, like it's just, it's a natural thing that you mm-hmm. really can't describe, but some guys just have like Chris Olave right. from Ohio state's a guy that we talked about the other day. The dude just melted to the football. Like it was just right. an effortless thing tracking the football down the field. And I think Cam Williams has some of the same thing. Yeah. The, there's no question about it. So Ryan, let's talk next. Let's talk next about, I just got a, a, a text from uh, Brian Pinocchio. He is watching us on the big screen TV. Brian, thank you for sending that uh, that tweet, buddy. I really appreciate that very, very much. Let's talk a little bit next, Ryan, about the fit at Notre Dame. I think that's obviously a, a big part of this as well. And, and I'll bring up the question that, that Bob had. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob Albano said, is Cam slotted as an X or a slot? And the thing... The thing that we are that we've done a lot lately is it's kind of like I've almost had to you know kind of question myself like okay are we being a little too loose with the the different positions these kids can play because mm-hmm. I feel like we say this a lot and and what I try to do when I'm evaluating and we're doing these shows every day is I I don't want to repeat the same stuff over and over again like 
you know, you'll, you'll find those people, right? I know you, you, I know you know what I'm talking about when it comes to draft people, they mm-hmm. find those little like buzzwords and they just keep repeating it all over again. So they sound like they know what they're talking about. Right. I'm like, man, we're using versatility a lot. And we're talking about, and so I had to think about like, okay, can they, but then I watch cam and I'm trying to have more of a critical mind. I'm like, yeah, this kid can play all three spots. I mean, I think he, I, he's better suited outside clearly. Agreed. Yep. But I do think there's some things he can do in a, as a pro style player in the slot too. So I think he brings some of that versatility, but I do project him as an outside guy. The question, however, and this is something that I think I'm going to ask you, Ryan, is I think when you look at Xers W, X is the field outside guy. W is the boundary outside guy. I think right now I project him more as an X, but I have a feeling he's going to, by the time he's done with his high school career, that could change. And I could see him more as a W as his, as he physically evolves for different reasons. I want to get your thoughts, Ryan. Yeah, on on where you see him if in the Notre Dame offense and why? Yeah, I, I I consider him more of an X myself as well. I I would say for me it's he's got that long kind of wiry frame, right? Like he's a strong player, but he's not like physically filled out yet, and that very well could change. Kind of to your point, so I see him more as a flexible kid. I think he can run routes a little bit. But I'm not sure right now if I would want him playing on the line of scrimmage a ton of like working against press. But I think eventually, to your point, kid's six one and a half, six two already, 190 pounds. If he graduates from high school, and he's 205. Like if he can handle press coverage and then he still maintains that four four seven speed, then he could play W for sure. Mm-hmm. But as right now, he again, I think stylistically compares to a Lorenzo Styles to me because mm-hmm. I think Lorenzo could also play. X or W and he can play mm-hmm. in the slot as well to your point. But I think best position would probably be that X position off the line of scrimmage at times, maximize release points, use your fluidity as a route runner, play to the field, play in space. I think that that's kind of where I see Cam Williams personally. Uh, for me, I think that, that I think he's a little stronger at the point than, than you do. And I think part of that too, Ryan is, is, I, I think you're, and this is what I was kind of getting to. I think your opinion of that is going to change when you get to junior film. Cause again, we're, we're, we're kind of looking at a little bit of a different evaluation standpoint here because I was able to see him in person to see the physical growth that he's already made. And so like off his film, I mean, just watching a sophomore film before our invasion, we were hundred percent on the same page and he's going to have to get stronger and fill out. I don't know if I see him as a, a traditional W a friend of mine has made this comparison, and I really like it. And and I actually think I think at the same age, Cam is further along. But you know whose game he reminds he, he reminds me a lot of a former Notre Dame player and Chicago kid, DeVars Daniels. Except Cam's bigger, yeah. and I think that's the thing is like where DeVars was able to play that W at times because he was just kind of smooth and he knew how to get off the line and knew how to run routes. And I see a little bit of Cam in that regard as well. Uh, as That's far as being a guy that could could play that and and just and and the reason that I think that I think that comparison makes sense is I think they're both more smooth than twitchy. They both track the football extremely well. They're from Chicago and they're similar <laughs> height. But I think Cam is already much more filled out than DeVaris was at the same age. I think Cam now looks a lot like DeVaris did as a freshman at college. Sure. Uh, just from a, a build standpoint and, but their games, there's some similarities to their games in my opinion. And that, I mean, look, the Daniels was a really good football player until he got himself in trouble. 
mean, he was on the verge. I mean, for the, the year that Will Fuller broke out in 2014, that was going to be the year that DeVars Daniels was going to break out. And, and uh, obviously that, that didn't happen, but yeah, I, I, I did like that. I did like that comparison quite a bit. I really did. Because yeah. I mean, what what did DeVars do in, in 2013, his first year where he was really like, I mean, as a, as a redshirt freshman in 2012, 31 catches, 490 yards, 15.8 yards per catch. The next year in 2013, four, he was second on the team with 49 catches, 745 yards, uh, 15.2 yards per catch, seven touchdowns. I mean, that's kind of the numbers that I see Cam Williams putting up early in his career is very similar to where he can stretch the field. He can do some of that other stuff. And I think that's why I, I prefer him right now at the X because forget the body type standpoint. What I like is his game fits there well. He can run the crossers, the drags. He's a really smooth, natural route runner on the comebacks and the outs. And you know, he can run some post curls, and he's going to be able to get over. He's got enough speed to get over the top on an X because that's one of the biggest challenges in finding a really good X receiver is you have to have – you have to, to for this offense to really work the way it's capable of, Ryan, your X has to be able to take the top off the defense. 100%. I mean, it's nice to get it from the W, but you've got to really have it from your X because they're going to be working so many high-low combinations, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think he has that, and and that's why even, even if he fills up to where he could be a W, if he, if he gets to that point, and it also depends on who they sign, right now I really like him for that X because of the route-running ability, the after-catch ability, but also I think he's a kid that can take the top off the defense. Already he can take the top off the defense, and that's important. To your point, the fact that we're having this conversation in general is the biggest positive in this conversation, in my opinion, because how I always grade receivers, Brian, is there's players that I think can be maximized in a single spot, right? Like one guy's a true W, one guy's a true X, one guy's a true slot. Awesome. But then there's other players that can do a little bit of everything, right? And I'm always going to value the guys that can move around and be an impact player for multiple spots. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's what we're seeing with a Cam Williams. The fact that we can have the debate whether he might be better at X or W long-term, I think that tells you the caliber of athlete that he is. He's Mm -hmm. a a player that I think has high upside. And again, just 16 years old. We don't even know what Mm -hmm. he is yet, man. Like Mm -hmm. at worst, we know that right now he is a 190-pound running uh, wide receiver that runs 4.47, which is like a great building block and has good film. What he can be in two years, though, in four years and six years is something special, I think. Um, I'm going through the chat now, Ryan, to see if there's some questions that we can get to. And um, the soft hands comment was uh, taken in a very interesting direction in the chat. (laughs) I knew it was. I knew it was going to. I wasn't even looking at the chat, but I knew that that was going to go somewhere. You knew (laughs) it was going to go that direction. Yep, 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 yep. So uh, fit-wise, you know, we've mentioned the slot. I think he can play slot if that need is there. If, like, it's one of those things where he's one of the three best receivers in the roster. And you've got two guys that are just – outside guys you know so let's say you know let's say Notre Dame lands Ronan Hannafin and and Braylon James and Tobias Merriweather and those guys are kind of like your three outside receivers right but man you just want to get Cam in the game you want to get him on the field could he play in the slot yes I do in the current Notre Dame offense which is more of again a pro style offense because the 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 traits I like there are I think he's going to be strong right like I really think this kid's going to be strong when he gets to college so physically, yep. to play in a pro-style slot the way that I think Tommy Reese would like that position to be, not how he's used it so far, 
Because I think with Avery Davis, he's used it differently than what I think he wants to use it as. So the way I think he wants to use it, I think he wants more of a, I mean, that's why he recruited CJ Williams to be a slot. That's why they've talked to Jaden Greathouse about being a slot. They want someone that can work the middle of the field, You got, which means you got to have some strength. You got to have a real good feel for finding openings in the defense. You've got to be able to catch the ball in traffic. And you see all of that already on Cam's film. And like you said, they have some power five guys. They're going to play teams that have guys that are going to go to play college football. Mm-hmm. And you see him doing those things already. So I could see that. I just think for me, if I'm ranking the three positions, that's the one I'd rank third for him. But if there's a situation where they're just too deep on the outside and, and he's you just want to get him on the field, I'd have no problem. I'd have no problem getting Cam Williams in the slot. So that's why I say he could play all three. It's just that I don't necess- I wouldn't necessarily push the agenda to get him inside unless it just you're looking at your depth chart, you're like, yeah, like that, that that's where he's just got to be. Same thing with Lorenzo sure. Styles. Lorenzo Styles may end up being playing a lot of slot this year, especially if Ravy Davis isn't 100 percent when the season starts. And I think Lorenzo can play the slot even better than than Cam Williams, but it's not the number one position I'd have him play. Same sure. thing with W. I, I wouldn't project Lorenzo as a full-time W, but can he play it? Yeah. And if that means getting your best there in the field, then you put him out there. Mm-hmm. And and that's why it's important to bring versatile players. And I think that Cam brings a versatile skill set. His body type is such that he's not too big, where you know you don't right. want to put him in certain positions. He has the size to play outside. He's got the game to play inside, and that only adds to his value. And that's that's one of the reasons, Ryan, why I why I have him ranked now as a top hundred player. You know, sure. he's not his grade isn't quite there yet to the point where I'm like, okay, he's pushing on top. 50 he's closer to 100 to 120 than he is to 50 but the upside is there i haven't given him a five-star upside yet he's just not there yet uh but i give him a four and a half star which is that of a top 50 player so if he taps in his potential he's going to continue to rise up the rankings and from everything that you've told me about what as you've learned from his coach things that i've learned from sean talking to sean about people that know cam and and cam getting him getting to know cam this is a kid that's a worker and that's yes. an important thing too. He's a worker. Yeah. So he's going to he's you you feel comfortable saying this kid's going to reach his potential because barring injury he's going to put in the work. There's no question about that. Now, and he's he's such a physically imposing and hardworking kid that the coach talked a little bit about that he might play defense this year too. Like he's just that guy, you know, there's a natural feel as a football player to to your point. So he may not be a top 50 caliber player right this second, but he's got two years to to prove his worth in that department, right? So mm-hmm. can al- I can already see the CJ Carr to Cam Williams in the back of the end zone applause as we, uh, as we mm-hmm. get a special connection potentially in South Bend. Right. No question about it. So we talked about the fit. Let's talk next, Ryan, about what's next at receiver. And, and to begin, I think it, it, we have to talk about what this impact means for Notre Dame. You've got one in the class. You're going to get at least three. So once you kind of get that first domino to fall, it helps you then kind of say, okay, let's now we can really zero in. So maybe there's a couple guys on the board that are similar to Cam and you're looking for something different. That maybe allows you to move on from a kid or two, right? Um, not saying it will happen. I'm just saying that's kind of what happens. You have to reevaluate your board. Every time you get a commitment, you have to reevaluate your board. Okay, who's left? You know, like for for example, when Notre Dame got some offensive line commitments in 23, there were some guys they said, okay, we're not going to recruit him anymore because we've already got that guy. 
there were some interior guys that I know Notre Dame dropped when they landed Sam Pendleton. That just kind of thing happens when you when you get commitments. You have to reevaluate your board. So sure. you look at it, you reevaluate reevaluate your board. You've got a kid who's more of an outside type of guy. So now this allows you, if you're Notre Dame, to focus on a smaller, a little bit smaller, but it's a little too early to really narrow down. So you've got at least one type. Let's first talk about what Notre Dame needs to add to the class stylistically and then kind of talk about some tar- key targets on the board. Obviously, you're always looking for a W. I think that is the one position you try to land every year is a guy that can be that W because in this offense, the W – if your W is a dude, that that helps your offense because it gives you that guy that you can just put in the boundary and say, we're going to dominate you one-on-one. Because if you have a W that can dominate one-on-one, it forces teams to put bodies into the, into the boundary. Here's why that matters. As a defensive coach, your goal is to u- be able to utilize the short side of the field to utilize the, the lack of space on the short side as a help to your defense, meaning – you know, the sideline is sort of your help defender because you're Mm -hmm. working with less space. And so that's why a lot of times teams will put their best defenders into the boundary. Cause then, Hey, if I got a great defender and we've got, we've got a shorter field, then we don't have to put bodies there. What Mm -hmm. happens if you have a dominant player in the W is teams now have to put bodies there. They have to get their linebackers more active in dropping underneath routes. They have to get their – they can't – it's harder to play single high coverage with a guy coming down in a robber type of thing to protect the def- to protect the run game if you have a beast at W. Yep. It just puts – it just stresses the defense a lot more to where now you have to throw more bodies at the smaller part of the field, which means you have less bodies to throw at the wide side of the field where the, other, where the offense's numbers are. So you have to get that kind of that that dude, that guy that's like, man, this guy is just going to be a monster. He could be a one-on-one guy. You can't just defend him with one guy. You want to try to get that in every class. And we're going to kind of talk what the need is and then guys that fit that role. The first guy that fits that role for me, Ryan, is a guy we talked about a lot lately, and that's Ryan Wingo. Yep. I think he's the first guy to me when we talk about that, that dude that that one-on-one big physical boundary type of guy he's I mean he's that's where the conversation to me has to begin yeah no I I I agree completely I mean Wingo for me and there's a lot of talented players on the board this kid's an alpha man and and Mm -hmm. it's there is something to be said about he's 6'2 195 can run can threaten vertically no doubt but also the physicality he plays at the catch point, the physicality he plays after the catch. Ryan Wingo's the real deal, man. Like, I mean, just flat out. And he fits that W perfectly. I mean, he's the type of player that you could talk me into him playing in every spot, but he's mm-hmm. going to play in the W because he's just right. so physical. And if you get up on him and you want to press him, good luck. Good luck, right. sir. It's all I have right. to say. Like, that's just not – it's not going to end well for you, right? So Ryan Wingo is absolutely a certified – playmaker at that position and Notre Dame is putting themselves in a pretty solid position early I mean they are they got him on campus he impressed Uh, they impressed he's been on campus twice already he's a kid that's you know out of Missouri so it's not a it's you know not too far as far as the distance from Notre Dame so yeah I, I agree I think Ryan Wingo is the real deal to say the least no, he's not the only guy, in my opinion, yeah. that fits that that type of mold. There's some other guys that fit that. And I think the other thing, too, is 
depending on how you finish out the 2023 class, there's a couple guys that fit that mold in the 2023 class. So that is the thing that you have to also look at is if you're talking about putting two classes together because you need them to complement each other. If they fill up there, then and you miss on on a guy like Ryan Wingo, there are other players that that you could say, okay, well, this guy maybe doesn't fit that particular role, mm-hmm. but he does some other things. So that's also again, we have to factor into the idea of we still have to see how the twenty three class fills out. Sure, but if you get a Ronan Hannafin, a Braylon James, a Jaden Greathouse, all of a sudden you got three guys that potentially could project to that W position. But if you can land a a a player like a Bredell Richardson, who I kind of like, even though he doesn't have the size port, uh, profile yet, I think he's going to fill out and be that kind of guy. Ryan Wingo, obviously, he, we talked about him being that kind of guy. Um, Richardson, really, to your point, Brian, Richardson may play it differently, but he plays a whole lot yeah. bigger than the 6-1-180 he's listed I see you, you got a chance to watch his film. I did. Yes, I did. He, he yep. plays. I question the 6-1-180 listing sure it doesn't look like that on film i mean he he and like you said though he plays big. like a big boy yes yep. there's no question about it the other need in this class i think is imperative because i as unless they can continue to you know we talked about where they sound like a tease he could be that guy but even if they get Micah tease they've got to get some guys that are really explosive players that can stretch the field but also can be dynamic with the ball in their hands, Ryan. It, they haven't mm-hmm. landed a lot of that lately. And as good as the 2023 class could be, if they get all the guys we think they're going to get, they don't get Micah tease. They don't have that, the ball in your hand game changer. And I, and I do think you need that either in the form of a, a, a take the top off Will Fuller type or yep. an after the catch type of guy. Right. And that, I mean, that's a must, a must for this class, Ryan. Yeah, and I mean when you're t- when you're taking a look at those players, right, Brian? Like I, I would say, I think that Micah Hudson could fit that role, but he's a player for me where I think that he could play multiple roles. Like I think he could be the X in the offense. I think he could be a slot. When I think of traditional slots that are on the board, I think of Mylon Graham, who was a kid that mm-hmm. was just offered yep. out of the, the state first of Indiana. Name that popped in my head. Yes, yeah, it's great he's one. to to your point of there's either a make you miss type of slot, excuse me, or if there's a person that could take the top off the defense. And I think that Mylon Graham is the latter in that conversation. He could take the top off. He can also break an angle when he's, when he's in the open field, he's kind of that type of slot. And then you have guys like Emmett Mosley, who I think is kind of best of both worlds. You know, like he does a little bit of everything really well, probably not as fast as Mm -hmm. Mylon Graham, probably not as shifty as like a Tysir Denmark, but he does both things pretty well and then I mentioned Tysir Denmark who I don't think Notre Dame's in a good position for early to for being completely honest about it but he is a guy who is such a gifted player in space that they throw him in at wildcat quarterback and just say like yo just work man sort of like how Rodney Gallagher's used I mean not quite to that extreme because Rodney actually does throw the football but he's that guy that is you're gonna put the ball in his hand and let him work so he's another guy and then you still have players like Zion Reagans who are they going to get in the conversation with out of Georgia? But he's another guy similarly to a Milan Grant, although he's much smaller, dynamic deep speed, mm-hmm. like dynamic type of speed. So different types of slots to your point. And there's a lot of interesting players on the board right mm-hmm. now for Notre Dame. Yeah, Micah Hudson to me is could be that kind of guy, as you mentioned, Milan Graham. I I think Emmett Mosley is a little bit more dynamic and explosive than, than, than I think that, that you do and some other people do. And also, we're watching sophomore film or freshman film with him, too. That's the other sure. thing. Like, 
I think he's going to end up being really explosive when it comes. But again, I don't, I don't know where things stand with him. That is a kid, a kid that's been impossible to get a hold of for, for us. Maybe other people are having more success. We have not. But mm-hmm. I love that kid. But he's a guy that to me would would be a take. But I mean, when you look at Mylon Graham, Micah Hudson, and, and Emmett Mosley, you got to get at least one of them. I mean, that's when I talk about filling this class out. Give give me what what's the dream class? You know, one of uh, Denmark, Hudson. Graham and Mosley, give me one mm-hmm. of them, and and then give me a Ryan Wingo, and if I got to get a a, a four, or, or you know Brito, then I'm like, oh man, hold on, what about Brito Richardson? <laughs> you know, oh hold on a second, what about you know? And then that's just kind of how it is, and you know, I, I think that that's why, that's why I really like the potential of the 23 24 class, in mm-hmm. my opinion, because there's some there's some difference makers on the board for Notre Dame. In that yeah. in that twenty four class, and Mylon Graham's a guy that's not ranked very high right now. I think everybody's got him as a three star. That yeah. that's going to change in a hurry. I, I don't know how any. I kind of feel like the people that rank him as a three star just kind of looked where he's from and maybe looked at numbers or something, but didn't actually watch film and just they automatically make him a three star and then eventually they watch his film. Okay. I saw that kid at Irish Invasion. I seen that kid's highlight film. That's not a three star recruit. Agreed. That 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 kid can run. Uh, Micah Hudson's one of the best receivers in the country, in my opinion. Emma Mosley, I think, is, is one of the best players in the country. He's a top 50 guy for me. Yep. There's some dudes on the board, Ryan. There, no, there is. Chancey stuck. Po- go ahead. Sorry. I no, was go just going to say, Micah Hudson, to me, reminds me so much of Garrett Wilson. Like, talk mm-hmm. about a guy that is springy and explosive. That's the guy. And I really wanted to mention, since we're talking about slots, I forgot to mention Jason Robinson, who's the wide receiver out of Cali, that is currently committed to USC, but we know that he is – open for the conversation of continuing the recruiting process. So just another slot guy. Yeah. That's one of those. I'll believe it when I see it guys, but he's to Ryan's point, Ryan is just reporting what the kid has said. The kids told us he's interested in Notre Dame wants to visit all that kind of stuff. Uh, But I, you know, I just, I gotta, I gotta see it. I gotta see it at this point in time. But yes, the point. I'm just, the point I'm just dreaming of, is of a, flipping a USC yes, kid. I'm just dreaming. I'm just dreaming, bro. Well, the funny thing is, I just think there's better players on the board than him too. You know, and, and he's a, he's a really good football player. It's just that's how deep this is. And people keep asking about Zion Reagans. Look, he's a track guy. He's gonna probably stay south. If if we get any inkling that he's got interest in Notre Dame and he's gonna visit Notre Dame and all that, we'll we'll tell you. But I mean, just. I understand why everybody keeps asking about him, but you know, like he I just don't a, see that what happening. Yeah, he ran like a ten-two or a ten-three as a freshman in high school. Like he is a—he's not just a track guy; he is a legit track and field runner. Like he is. Yeah. If he continues on the trend that he's ha- that he's on, he could be an Olympic runner. Like that's the yeah. fact of it, right? So he's—and I've talked to him before. He wants to do both in yeah. college. Like it's not just football and yeah. bust for him. So right. Uh, Brandon Plesner said he can't find Emmett Mosley's sophomore film. I don't think there is any. He got hurt very early in his sophomore season. At and Servite, I think, right? Yeah, and I think he only yeah. played like one game, I think. So all the film you see on him is freshman film. And mm-hmm. and again, that's just something that I that I really like from that kid. So I, I love what he brings to the table. Somebody also asked Brian, we'll, we'll bring this, or Ryan, we'll bring this up from William Chesney. He asked, how is Bronte Johnson a top five receiver and we're recruiting him at safety? Is he more of just an athlete or just unknown? He's not unknown. Uh, yeah. You know, William, that's just where his game projects best. Ryan, you know, you, you've, we've both studied the film. Why don't you explain kind of why we view him as a more of a DB and why Notre Dame views him as a DB? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so like you said, he is a highly rated player and he's, 
ranked as like a top five receiver in the class. The the fact of the matter is, in my opinion, and in Notre Dame, I, actually, I don't want to put my words in Notre Dame's mouth. So, so take that back for a second, okay? They like that he is a six foot three, long, athletic kid who can play the defensive side of the football. When you watch him play, he's just not a natural hands catcher. Right. Like, I mean, it just isn't, right? But what he is, six three, explosive, speed, and a very projectable frame. That kid, I think, could be a safety, could maybe even be a, a rover at some point in his career, depending on how much he fills out. But I think he's got dynamic ability on the defensive side of the football. I just don't think he's a natural receiver, personally. Right, agree. And he, the, the interesting thing is, we talked about this. You and I had a conversation about this, because I brought up, like, Javon Witherspoon. Remember, like, a lot of older yeah. fans remember him, like, top 100 guy, big-time pickup. And I remember watching him in the state playoffs. I'm like, this guy cannot catch the football. Like, he just he has no hands. And he was kind of a stiff guy. I think when I watch Bronte Johnson, the interesting thing about him is, right, he actually tracks the football extremely well as a receiver. He just doesn't catch it very well. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, you know who who the first person that pops in my head when I I watched this film? I thought of this scene in uh, the, the Catholics' first convicts. Oh, when yeah. Lou Holtz doing the Pat Patrell, you're the greatest receiver I ever coached until we throw you the damn ball. <laughs> Moving to safety. <laughs> he's like he's like Clifford Franklin in the replacements, man. He just can't catch. Or, but, or hot, hothead right. Hayden in uh in Little Giants. But that was the knock on Pat Terrell, right? When he played at Notre Dame and why didn't play receiver, so they moved into defense. And what does he become? A great player there, becomes a high draft pick. I think second round draft pick, I believe. Uh, and, yep. and somebody that that ended up going to have a very successful, uh, very successful NFL long NFL career as well. Uh, with I think the Panthers drafted him, correct? If if I remember correctly, it sounds right. He ended sounds up playing right. for the Panthers. Maybe they didn't draft him, but he ended up playing there uh, at right. some point in time. So, you know, I think that's why that's where we kind of see Pat. We, where with Pat Terrell? That's where we see. Bronte Johnson there. Uh, he was drafted by the Rams. He didn't go to the Panthers till 95. So he was drafted in the second round by the by the Rams. Mm-hmm. I was like, I started saying, I was like, wait a minute, hold on, 1990, the Rams, the Panthers weren't a thing in 1990. So that's that's my bet on that. But I think that's why Bronte fits there. So again, you look at just, there's, there's a good list. I mean, we didn't even talk about Jeremiah McClellan. We didn't talk about Nick Marsh. Other guys are good players. I like Jeremiah McClellan. To me, though, he's kind of similar to Cam Williams. Agree. And, you know, and I think that's going to depend on, you know, this, this is 100% Irish breakdowns opinion. This is not a Notre Dame opinion. This isn't something that they've told us. This is hundred percent our opinion. I like Jeremiah McClellan just for me, as far as I'm going to keep recruiting him, nothing changes. If they can get to four, I'd consider taking him. Meaning if they miss on Micah T's, I would strongly consider taking him. If they're going to be at three, however, I'd hold off a little bit on that one. Again, good football player, but with Cam Williams already in the class, I'm going to move on a little bit. Mm-hmm. We got a super chat earlier from ICU uh, RN with Irish Luck. Uh, thank you very much for that super chat. We appreciate that very, very much. I wanted to kind of go here with this question, and it says, how does Cam Williams compare to Braylon James? I think James compares to a Justin Jefferson athletically and just needs Chancey to take that raw tools to develop it. If Cam has a potential too, wow, that is a crazy future rotation. So let's first start with the Cam to Braylon James comparison. I'm curious to what you're going to say on that because I I have an opinion on that. Yeah. So Braylon, the first thing that pops off film for me when you watch Braylon James is his explosiveness Mm -hmm. off the line and working down the field like the kid – 
is just you talk about twitchy versus smooth. He is as twitchy as you will find as far as athletically. So I think they're different in that sense, right? Like Braylon James is much more explosive in his movement movements. Cam Williams is much more deliberate and smooth in his movements. Both get the job done in a, like a similar capacity, but both have very different processes to get results. Right. And then I also think that Braylon James has a frame He's a little bit of a longer guy. So I think that he is going to be that legitimate like 6'2", 210, 215 type of player. Similarly to like a Kevin Austin body type maybe, you know, working mm-hmm. forward a little bit. Well, I think that Cam is going to be 6'1 and a half, 6'2", and 200 pounds, 205. Like that's going to be – so stylistically, I think Braylon much more explosive and athletic – or not much more athletic, excuse me, explosive in his movements. Cam Williams more smooth in his movements. Mm-hmm. So they – they, you can win similarly with them, but they're going to their process is just going to be a lot different. I hope that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I don't think they're very. I think they're similar body types. I think they like if they just stood next to each other, they'd probably look a lot alike. You know, I think Braylon's maybe about a half an inch taller. You know, than, than Cam. Uh, very similar, like up upper body, really athletic looking kids. Somewhat narrowish shoulders. I think their games are different. I think Braylon Braylon has more. W to his game because he's just he plays more powerful than Cam does at this age. And and honestly, Braylon's sophomore film was at times even more impressive than his junior film because of the opportunities he had to play the ball. And, and not because he did anything wrong, but I just felt like he wasn't given as many opportunities to win one-on-one as a junior as he got as a sophomore. So you have to go back to his sophomore film to really see him making really impressive plays on the football in the end zone, down the field. So you kind of see some of that, but then he also brings some of the explosiveness that we talked about for uh, the X. I think can I think Braylon is a really, I mean, look, we talked about it four, four speed four almost 40 inch vertical, great broad. He is a, I mean, just a go like his speed just immediately jumps out at you. I think Cam is more, and, and Braylon's also got a little bit of some herky-jerkiness as an athlete, you know, just the mm-hmm. way he runs, which is fine. I mean, it works. It's just it's just the style of running. Cam is more smooth, right? Like, when I think of Cam Williams, I kind of think of, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do this the right way. Like, I, I kind of think of, like, a Reggie Wayne style of player that he's just smooth and fluid and maybe doesn't run the the, the four three that somebody else does, but he plays fast and he just catches the ball incredibly well. He's a great route runner. You know, I thought Reggie Wayne was an incredibly underrated player for a very, very long time yeah. and was a just a monster in college as well at Miami. I think he kind of is more like that where Braylon is more of just like that. Wow. Like this guy just explodes at you. He, he reminds me of, and I've said this kind of before, not at the same age necessarily, but stylistically, he I think that Braylon can come a, become close to something similar to a Des Bryant. Like that's mm-hmm. what I see, right? Like because he's got that frame. Des was like 6'2", 210, 215, put together. But the thing about about Des, and I actually do think that Braylon's a little straight more straight line fast than Des Bryant, but Des Bryant, everything he did was explosive, man. Like he explosive off the line explosive more explosive working out of cuts explosive extending for the football everything was just so powerful about des mm-hmm. Bryant, and that's what i see with braylon james personally yeah, i agree so I, I don't necessarily see them as the similar type of players the, that's that's also honestly i i would actually compare 
Cam Williams more to Justin Jefferson than I would Braylon James. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Just their uh-huh. style. Like I think Braylon looks more like looks more like Justin Jefferson physically. Mm-hmm. I think athletically, I think because I think Justin Jefferson is a really smooth, like just sudden type of guy. He lulls you to sleep. Too. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, think, did anybody did anybody think that Justin Jefferson was going to run a four four three coming no. out of college? I no. didn't. No, yeah. not even close. I mean, I knew he was athletic, but no, I didn't see sure. I didn't see four four three at all. And he was a guy that wasn't a very highly ranked recruit coming out of high school. Uh, you know, so I'm actually pulling up his uh, profile. Three star, if I yeah, remember, most right? had him as a three star. Yeah, he was the he was the number one thousand eight hundred and eighteen player on the composite list uh, for two four for uh, on three, and he was ranked number as the number two hundred and five receiver in the country, uh, according to according to uh, two four seven, and then rivals I believe had him as a two star. That's absurd. So yeah, because he would was, love. I would love yeah. to see that story, man. I would love to just talk to him. Like, why were you so under recruited? I would just, right. lo- I just love to hear the story. You know, it's got to be yeah. a crazy one. It's very interesting. You know, some guys just, but as we've said it a million times, some guys just develop differently. They sure. just develop at different times. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. That is that is kind of that is where I see him fitting in more. That that's more of the fit for me is I think Cam compares more to Justin Jefferson than, 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 uh, and again, we're not saying Justin, you know, Cam Williams is going to, you know, as a junior in, in high college, have 111 catches for 1500 yards. And I'm just looking at his numbers. He's, he's, go, he's going to break the rookie receiving record in the NFL. Yeah. And he's going to have the most receiving yards. Right. For two not, seasons not, saying that. <laughs> not saying that, not saying that. You know, honestly, if we were to compare the Notre Dame receivers to that LSU, like who fits what? Braylon James is more Jamar Chase, and Cam Williams is more Justin Jefferson, as stylistically. Because I think Jamar is kind of like an explosive kind of guy mm-hmm. as well. Uh, plays bigger than his size because he's strong. 
Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not saying either of them are the caliber of player that they were. I'm just saying stylistically is is where uh, is where they are. So Bre- breaking news: Brian Driscoll says yeah. that Cam Williams is going to break every See, receiving record. You know, now that I didn't say. <laughs> I just said he's better than Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase combined, right? Wow. Let's do the Homer that's, takes that's tonight, fair. right? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna do Homer takes, we might as well like go all in, right? We might start <laughs> acting like Michigan fans or something and just say like some absurdity, right? So he's gonna he, we're gonna make this like a Chuck Norris thing, right? Yeah. Like Cam Williams won six national championships in five sure. years. Sure, sure. <laughs> Luke, Lucas Chapman has super chat along with what we're talking about. He said, "So is smooth also uh, a part of good technique?" No, it, it can be. It, it, it depends on how you're using it. A guy that's smooth can really develop great technique. I mean, that's like if I'm talking about like who do I want to be an elite route runner? I want a guy that's really smooth and it's got some suddenness to him. You know, Marvin Harrison, right? I mean, great route runner. And that's, you know, Jerry Rice, you know, smooth, just, you know, just really, Tory really Holt. good. Yes, yes. Uh, Tory Holt is another one. Fantastic. Reggie Wayne. Right, is who Justin Jefferson, right? It doesn't necessarily, but but they're not the same thing. Smooth is an athletic skill set to leads that leads to you being that type of player, right? Uh, but you can be smooth and have no clue what you're doing, right? I mean, that's the reality. I think what I would say is guys who are really smooth look more because they they can make more s- sudden stops, yeah. right? So they look more technically sound which is also why they develop, they can be taught great to be great technicians because of that athleticism. Cause you can't really teach that. I mean, you're just well, either you, that or not. Have you ever seen a track athlete that like you, they work on the process of running, right? The technical aspects around running. Some of these guys aren't incredibly fast, but it's just, everything's tight. Everything looks right. natural. Everything right. looks compact. Like that just, it just looks yeah. a little different. So and when you're talking tight, you're just talking about the efficiency Yes, because, like no, waste, no wasted right. motion, no wasted right. movement. They're not exactly. doing this, right? I mean, if you ever watch a track athlete uh, and they show you the slow-mo of them running and you just see their their face bouncing and their muscles bouncing because they're smooth. You don't want to – the more you strain as you run, like that's why guys, you know, you see these guys at the combine and they're like faces are turning red, you know, because they're just mm-hmm. like straining. I'm like, you're, dude, you're sewing yourself down. Right. Right. It's the guys that that you're like, wow, that guy ran that time because they're like smooth. They just like, no, he wasn't running that fast. And you're like four, four, what? And uh, you know, that's, that's, again, that's kind of what you look for in that regard. So we got, we got some more questions here from everybody. Good good Uh, question though. Yeah. Good question. Very, very Mick McCarthy. So first of all, Mick, I want to pull this up first before we go to your possession receiver comment. So I just signed up for a annual IB, IB board. After more than a year, 11 months too late, I agree, but welcome aboard anyway. Question is, is Ryan Driscoll or Brian Roberts a better password? And then he said, maybe a better password, Mountain Driscoll or Brian Dew. Uh, all of those would be bad. You need to throw some letters. You need to throw some like numerals and some different things in there. Uh, I would encourage you not to use any of those as a password, but uh, definitely throw some numbers like a seven, a dollar sign, you know, throw some of that stuff in there. And you should be a little bit better shape. I, I kind of like Mountain Driscoll. I mountain Driscoll. Driscoll. I don't appreciate mountain. that. You should buy. You should buy that. a mountain. I said no mountain. fat jokes in the, in the show, Ryan. That wasn't I told, a joke. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> that joke. Maybe I'm just oh. being sensitive. I was about to say being a little oversensitive. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. You are. Um, Mick McCarthy also had a, a, a question. Uh, I really like this question because you know the. The, uh, this is in response to you saying that his coach told you they used him as a possession receiver. 
Sure. He said, can we define a possession receiver? It's a very good question. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a, so it's a player that is not relied upon to create explosive plays. They're a chain mover, right? Like they are hitting spots and they're moving the chains consistently. So there are some players where make like you, you think of a guy that's going to average a heavy yards per catch average. Usually it's because you're working the explosive parts of the field, right? Like you're, deep overs, posts, go routes. Like that's creating explosive plays for this offense particular. What the coach said was, you know, if we have a third and four, I'm going to ask him to run a five yard hitch. And it's not going to be a lot of after the catch and there's not going to be an explosive play created, but I trust him to make that play. So just think of it as we are moving the change, but not chains, but not necessarily isolating him to try to create an explosive play. Bob Albano asked with a super chat. Thank you, Bob, very much. Bob says, listen via podcast every day, but I'm rarely able to listen live. Thanks for all the content that allows me to be knowledgeable about the team and recruits. You are very welcome, Bob, very, very much. You have a very classy super chat like that. And then you have this. Oh, no. From the Spanky. After I sack you the tailgate, I'm dumping Heinz ketchup on you while I drink, while I drink your Mountain Dew. Uh, Yes. This guy, Jason, for 10 years, you've been living in this fantasy world about this. You got to let it go, man. You got to let it go. <laughs> Nick B- <laughs> Nick Baker with a super chat. Thank you for this, Nick. Brian, I knew I liked you when you mentioned you hated ketchup. So, see, can't Nick, this. I, I appreciate you. Detroit Hunter, this has just gone off the rails. Detroit Hunter with another super chat. I appreciate that very, very much. After Spanky Sacks, Brian, I'm going to hire a, a mariachi band to play the fight song. Um, you're gonna not you're you're just not gonna get your money's worth because it's just not happening. Mariachi so, band, it's interesting. Yeah. Yep, yep. It's like I said, it's getting off the rails. So I'm gonna appreciate uh, William Chesney bringing this back to reality and back to to, to, to <laughs> grown up time. And he's gonna talk football. William, thank you for the super chat very much. He says, "Hey Ryan and Coach D, who is the closest to the twenty uh, receiver in 2024 that resembles Rodney Gallagher? Uh, can't wait till we can get that style of receiver on our roster. Seems like we haven't had one in in quite a while. I believe he asked this question before we got mm-hmm. into that, but I, I did want to kind of to bring that up. And sure. if if you were to say who's the one guy, Ryan, in your opinion, that most resembles Rodney Gallagher, who would that be? It's a pretty easy one for me because, like, when I think of Rodney, I think of space player that understands how to maneuver in space could also break some tackles. So for in that instance of a slot receiver, it's Tysier Denmark for me out of, out of Philadelphia. Similar body type too. Rodney's a little bit taller, but very similar body type as well. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and I I think it's also like, Hey, he plays wildcat quarterback for their team a little bit. He's a chain mover. He breaks tackles. He's pretty explosive in short areas. That is, very similar. And then also Tysier goes to Roman Catholic, which will fuller if people, you know, are kind of jogging yeah. their memories a little bit. So I, I would say he probably reminds me most of Rodney Gallagher's style. We've got another one from William Chesney. William, thank you for this. He says, with how we with how we recruited linebackers in 23, 22 and 23, how many do you think we look to take in 24? See, this class is full of dudes with interest in us. Brown, Pierce, Hayes, Jones, Childs, Viamu, Asa, realistic options. It's a good question. Um, I I think that what would the number be? It's a great question. I mean, so obviously we're working with a Mike Will and a Rover, so that's three spots technically in the in the defense. I think three probably right, Brian would be. I think they're at that point now with with, especially with um, with uh, Josh Burnham moving to Viper. 
Yeah. They're at that point now where, I mean, they can kind of go three a year. If they're able to get Jaden Osbury, that would give them three in this class. You kind of go three a year. And then yeah. in case you take four, if you have a guy like a Samuel Mpemba who can play a lot of other things, mm-hmm. if you have a, maybe a, a, a guy that's a Rover or a guy that can maybe move somewhere else, a Ronan Hannafin that would rather start on defense next year, that kind of guy, then maybe you could take four. But if we're just talking pure linebackers, I think three, uh, you know, and I, and I don't, I don't think Notre Dame necessarily needs to recruit a pure Mike. I don't think their defense is that way. If you find a junior two Alamaca, you take him, but you don't sure. need that guy per se because of there's some interchangeableness to the Mike and Will. You want guys that are long and can run. And there's a lot of dudes on that board right here, Ryan, that are long and can run. Well, that's what, that's what I was about to get to for a second. Yeah. Like Sammy Brown's a freak. He could be a Mike or a Will. There's no doubt. Pierce is the kid that they just offered out of the state of Texas. I haven't watched him enough. I know he's not the biggest case, yeah. like 6'1", 210, but like, I need to watch him more. To he's, an with you. Yeah, he's an Osbury type. Yeah, he's an Osbury type. Like style of play-wise. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong yes. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Darius Hayes, of course, is 6'4", 210 pounds, explosive, still figuring it out, but right. brother, right. <laughs> that talent there is crazy. He's the kind of guy, Ryan, that I say, if you were to get a four, four let's say let's say they don't get Mpemba and Osbury, or mm-hmm. let's say they get both of them, and by the time you get signing day, Mpemba's decided he's going to play something else, right? Tight end, you know, whatever, something else. Right. And you say, okay, there's room for four next year. I, I think that's where I like a Darius Hayes because he has a lot of Josh Burnham in him. Really explosive athlete, long, 6'3, 6'4, 210, long arms, physical at the point of attack, rangy, could end up being 6'4 and a half, 260 when it's all said and done, right? And outgrow linebacker. So mm-hmm. that that would be another one where he would be an an interesting one if you are able to get to four because he does bring some of that flexibility potentially depending on how his body fills out. Now, again, I'm recruiting him just like Josh Burnham. I recruit, I wanted to recruit Josh Burnham as a linebacker. I'm looking at him as a linebacker. I'm planning on him to be a linebacker. And if he outgrows it, then he outgrows it. But I like him a linebacker. Well, Josh kind of outgrew it pretty quickly, you know, Mm -hmm. because he was got up to six, four, two thirty as a early enrollee player. And and the, and still looked skinny. So he's going to be, you know, I I was told by one source that they won't be shocked if by the end of his freshman year he's two hundred fifty pounds, just the kind of frame he has. And I've been told he is an animal in the weight room. So it's like that combination with st- st- when a kid gets on the scale, Ryan, at two thirty with super broad shoulders and long arms, and he still looks skinny. You're like, this dude is not even close to being his full weight. 100%. And and I think Darius Hayes has a little bit of that in him. I don't know if he's as long as Josh Burnham was. But the similar similar aspects to his game. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, no, I I think that it's I think a Darius Hayes could play he could play almost anywhere that he feels like, to be honest. Like he's he's on and like I would never put him at Rover because I don't think that he stylistically would excel there. But like right. Mike Will, Viper, who cares? Right. <laughs> Just get right. him on the field, man. Like right. he's he's got that Mpemba body, right? Like mm-hmm. he could be that that player where you could play multiple spots in this defense. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a special, special linebacker group. Cause like that, yeah. the question asked about like Jones, I mean, there's Caden and there's Chris Jones that are both on the board. Yeah. Chris Jones out of Virginia. 
I, I'm, I'm going to appease the uh, the Virginia guy in you, Brian. Dude's a baller, man. Yes. Real, well, that's where all the baller. ballers are from, Tommy. I will yeah, kick exactly. you out of the chat if you say anything about <laughs> it otherwise. Um, Brandon Pleasanter says Garrett Stover looks like a beast too. Look, Garrett 100%. Stover has got to be in every conversation about top linebackers on the board. Garrett Stover's got to be in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about a fr- – he is a – talking about a freaky athlete. Garrett Stover's a freaky – as a twitchy, twitchy dude. Pete Warner, that, baby. Yes. Pete Warner I mean, 2.0. Telling you. His, his ranking is weird. Like, he's not ranked yes. real high. I don't understand it. You'd think the school he's from, the area he's from, the fact that his cousin was a four-star kid, you'd think he'd be ranked high. He's not, but that is a dude. His film is good. He was – I honestly, for the first half hour of the Irish Invasion, I didn't know who he was because they didn't hand out a roster. I just kept asking Vince and other, I'm like, who's this number five? Who's this kid wearing number five in white? Cause he had they, the defense were wearing white jerseys and like, it took a while for anybody knew. And then it was like, Oh, that's, that's Stover. That's Garrett Stover. And I'm like, yo, that's a dude. So he stood out to me before I even knew who he was. Cause right. he was, I mean, like they were going around drills with like, like he was running against like DBs and he was just smoking them. Like in the, 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 the circle drills and cone drills and different things. I mean, he is a explosive, explosive kid. He's and he's a pure to me. He's a pure rover to me. Right like now. he is. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Like he is a Jeremiah Wusukoromoa type of uh, fit. Now again, they're different players, but you get what I'm saying, right, Ryan? Like it's yeah, of course. Like I see him there. I see him as a space guy. You know, not for, a for now. You know, I, I agree with you because like how I look at him is, and I think we think of him pretty similarly. Right. It's just I guess on my mind to the yeah. future a little yeah. bit more, right? Because. I remember Pete Werner at Cathedral, man. Like, he was playing, like, mid-hole safety a ton, right? Like, he was doing things in space all the time. And I agree. Stover right now, he's going to – if he if he picked Notre Dame, he would come in and he would play Rover. Yeah. But if you remember, like, Pete Werner early mm-hmm. in his Ohio State career, he played that Sam Backer, like, yep. that overhang spot mm-hmm. in their four-two-five, And then eventually he worked into a Will yeah. and eventually a Mike, actually. And I, I think that – I wouldn't be surprised if if Stover ended up at Notre Dame. I would not be I would not be surprised if he eventually outgrew Rover, and he was a 225 pound weak side linebacker. For like, me though, not... if he's six two two twenty five but still moves like he does, I, I I don't think you can outgrow that position unless the growth like he gets a two forty and he's just not quite as twitchy as he was before. Then sure. Sure. But just the way he runs, he's a different kind of athlete than Pete. I always thought Pete was like really smooth, you know, really mm-hmm. fluid downhill. The thing I like about Garrett Stover is he's explosive. His change of direction is elite. And 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 I loved Pete Werner. I mean, er, anyone here knows I had Pete Werner as graded out as a top 50 player coming out of high school. I mean, I loved thought he Pete was Werner, excellent. Man. And yep. he was one of the most – I mean, I never understood the hate that he got from Ohio State fans. I thought he was really good. And of course he goes to the NFL and you know, you told me he did really well this year as a rookie for them as, as, as well. He, he so. was their He was, and again, PFF, I'm not a big fan of PFF, yeah. but he was their highest graded run stopping right. linebacker of any player in the NFL as yeah. a rookie. So well, I just love how Al Washington and the, and the eyes Ohio state fans goes from coaching Baron Browning and, you know, Malik Harrison and Pete Werner. <laughs> and then all of a sudden forgot how to coach linebackers this year with a new defensive coordinator. Right. Like, so Oh, funny. I did, you know, whatever you guys, whatever. Uh, but th- they're just different. I-, I get where you're coming from, you know, because Garrett yeah. plays a lot of safety. I just think stylistically they're different. I think Pete that's was fair. smooth and rangy. I think Garrett's more explosive and sudden. That's why I love him. That's I think he's. That's why I say he's more of a Jeremiah Usukoromoa type. Again, I'm only using him as a type. I'm not saying he's going to beat Jeremiah and win the Buckus Award. I'm not saying that. I'm saying style of play. 
and, and athleticism as a comp, sure. I think makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Got a couple more super chats here. Patrick Tolan working on my master's homework assignment. And all I can think about is you explaining how hand friction and stiff fingers. Can you go over that again? <laughs> all right. <laughs> You don't want well, are you hard. Doing it? Are you you don't, doing he it? gave us five dollars. He gave us a super <laughs> chat, right? So you know you don't want hard hands. You don't want friction. So it's kind of like what was the what was the movie, Ryan? I, I think it was a was it um, was I'm trying to remember what was the movie? Oh, it was um, was it Varsity Blues? I'm trying to remember what movie it was, or maybe it was Replacements. It was an older football movie where he said when the guy puts his hands in the ground and you see like the white. You know he's like coming hard. I forget what movie that was. It's the same thing. Like you don't want the like because as a guy straining, you can see kind of that in his oh, hands. It's, invinci- it's invincible. It's invincible. Invincible. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, There's some yeah. kind of special teams play, and he calls the audible. Yeah. That's right. You yeah. want a guy that's got very soft hands, attacks the ball with soft hands. That's what you're looking for. So uh, that's that's so. Since you gave us the super chat, I'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> Lucas Chapman with a super chat. Thank you, Lucas. Says, I'm a big Tyler Buckner believer, but what are the glaring issues? I don't see any reason to doubt until the season starts. Well, I just think, like any young player, it's just can he consistently do it? Look, there's going to be games this year that Tyler Buckner is going to look like a star. And there's going to be times this year that he looks like a first-year starting quarterback. I mean, that's just to be expected. Yeah. 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 Uh, You you and I have talked about that with C.J. Stroud. I mean, the numbers were great because of the system he plays in. Sure. But there's times where he looked like a freshman. He got benched yeah. during a game. I mean, it literally yeah. happened. So I mean, yeah. the second half of the championship game, again, big stage. When Bryce Young lost Mechie, it was like, hey, he looked like a freshman. Like, um, uh, if if that happens to Bryce Young next year, he's gonna be fine. He's gonna have a he's gonna have a more of ability to kind of say, okay, I'll lift you up and I'll right. do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a fr- redshirt freshman, it's a little tougher. Right. Like, oh, you know, this is kind of the first time I've gone through this kind of thing. And that's just where experience comes from. So to me, it's going to be consistency as a passer. That's going to be the thing that really determines if Tyler Buckner is a really good, productive player or a star. It's going to be can he consistently beat you with his arm? We know he's going to be dynamic. We know he's going to go through spouts where he's just really red hot, just tears you apart. Can he protect the football while without losing his aggressiveness? That's a big thing. And can he be consistent, right? And and consistency for Tyler is is a decision making thing, but also a mechanical thing. Because the sure. one thing that I that I, that that has been one of the concerns I've had about Tyler is that his type of throwing motion he can get he can get into a funk a little bit, right? And and can he get himself out of that funk in in the middle of a game? That's a question that I have because he he doesn't have the cl- like I'm not teaching somebody his throwing motion to be honest with you. And, and he's had different people mess with it, which I think has kind of screwed him up a little bit. And that's why like Phil Dracovic went through a similar thing. I think he's good now. I think he's out of the funky part now because a lot of that happened when he was in high school. But I think, Ryan, uh, that's my only concern with Tyler is he's going to go through some spouts where he's just inconsistent. But can he limit them to the point where they don't become detrimental to winning and losing? That's going to be the question. Yep. And and I mean, it's it's very simply – I think Tyler Buckner is the type of person that when he goes through struggles, he's going to be able to take himself out of it. Right. Like he's going to be able to pick himself up. I think that that's a big, right. Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. When, when going gets tough, run the football, baby. That's right. <laughs> like that's just, no, that's, I mean, that's, that's but that's a great point yeah. though, Ryan, because like if, if a guy's like a Jack Cone or a Mac Jones, 
uh, a guy like that kind of gets into a rut as a passer, you have nothing else except them getting the ball to somebody it's, else. It, it's a right. it's like a pitcher in baseball right. that only has a good fastball. If your fastball right. isn't working, you're not locating it well, and you don't have anything else in your arsenal. Yep. What are you going to do? Right. It's yep. the same concept. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a tough one. And so you've got to be able to get yourself out of that. But sometimes the guy that's like that, you can say, Hey, look, let's get him kind of going in the run game. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, that's like, I would probably call designed runs for him twice in the opening series against Ohio state. Just to let him get hit, let him kind of get out there, let him, you know, get the kinks out, maybe take a play action shot, maybe roll them out, you know, just something to kind of get him into a, an early groove. But if he gets into a rut, there are things you can still do with him to move the football, and that's the that's the important thing. But it really is going to come down to the consistency aspect. If he can consistently, if he can be a consistent decision maker and and keep his mechanics from getting into really funky spots, I think he's going to be really good. So, and, and those are all those are all inexperienced things, you know. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of where where I see that being. Let me go through here real quick and see Ryan if we have any more. Any more questions here uh, as mm-hmm. before we wrap this thing up? Reminder, tomorrow we are going to – I haven't decided yet, Ryan. I think I got to check in with Sean about um, a potential interview we may have tomorrow. We're yeah. going to get started around either one or two tomorrow. I haven't decided that. We are going to have one show tomorrow. Uh, Charles Jagasaw is just going to announce his decision between Notre Dame, Michigan, Arkansas, and Missouri. He's just going to announce it sometime in the morning. And it's just going to be a tweet. So he's going to put a tweet out. So we will kind of stick with our normal time, most likely, uh, either one or two o'clock. I'm thinking right now I'm leaning towards one and then just kind of going into it there and and and, and going through that process. Or uh, we may push it back to two if a cert, if an interview falls, it works out. So right now I'm leaning towards one, but that's why you need to hit the notification bell because and, and also follow me on Twitter, CoachD178, uh, or follow Ryan, Rise in, in Draft. So R-I-S-E-N, Draft, N as in Nancy. And so uh, follow us on Twitter, and you'll see, you know, we'll obviously put it out and tweet it out. But also if you hit the notification bell, it'll let you know when shows are going to start. So you'll definitely want to take advantage of that tomorrow. Uh, hit that like button, everybody. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. If you have not done so already, sign up for the message boards. We have a lot of really kind of cool stuff coming up. We're going to have some Intel pieces coming up, obviously, soon. Uh, there's going to be some some news we're going to break. Ryan put on the message board today uh, that Jason Moore is getting much, much closer to a decision. Now, we always knew it was going to be July. We've been reporting that for a couple of weeks now. Uh, but Ryan got some Intel today that says it could come a little sooner than, uh, than maybe we expected. And that stuff is always message board stuff. So you're definitely going to want to going to take advantage of that. So Ryan, thanks for joining me today for this second show. Cam Williams has committed to Notre Dame. Big one for the Irish. Uh, Yet another big pickup. Three of their, I'm sorry, four of their five commits are ranked in the top 100, either by one outlet or by on the composite. So three of them are consensus top 100 players. Cam being the third. Jack Larson ranks 49th by rivals but he's not a top 100 player in the consensus. So just a tremendous, tremendous start uh, for Notre Dame when it comes to the 2024 class. And that's the crazy thing. They did not get their fifth commitment in the 2023 class, which currently ranks in the top three, and will be back to number one here in the next week. They didn't get their fifth commitment last year, I think, until November. That's crazy. It was, it was Drake Bowen because it was, it was uh, Keon Keeley and Brennan Vernon both committed 
actually it's a this is the year anniversary of Brendan Vernon committing. Yesterday was the one year anniversary of Keon Keeley committing. Those were the first two commits in the class. And then they got Cooper Flanick. They got no, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm trying to think the third player. They got Brennan, Keon, they got Drake. I'm trying to remember who I think I think Cooper was next. Give me a second. Drake was the fifth guy. I'm trying to remember who did, did Cedric Irving get in early? He committed in September as well. So I think Cedric was fourth. But I'm trying to just look at this real quick. Give me a second. Yeah, so Adon Schuler committed in August. Mm-hmm. Oh, so their fifth actually was in September. Was, was would have been Cedric in September. So he's not on the commit list anymore. Sure. Uh, so Cedric would have Cedric would have been the fifth. So they actually got their fifth guy in September last year. They didn't get number six until November. I keep forgetting that Cedric Irvin had committed. I believe Cedric uh, committed. Let me see here. He committed in. Cedric Irvin commits to Notre Dame. That would be, it would be late September. So he was their fifth commit. Uh, Cooper Flanagan was their number, was their number uh, four commit. So Don Schuler was number three, which happened in August, August 15th. Cooper Flanagan was fourth. He committed in early in September. And then late September is when, is when, uh, Cedric Irvin committed, and so I, and I would argue that the the five here is a higher level, top to bottom, than that was. That had some serious star power at the top with with uh, Keon Keeley and Brennan Vernon, but three, four, and five are even deeper. I think well, three and four especially are deeper this year than they were where they were then. So uh, tremendous start in the twenty twenty four class for Notre Dame. So that's going to do it for tonight, everybody. Again, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for our message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. And if you're listening via podcast, give us, we'd appreciate, greatly appreciate a five-star review. So uh, be well, everybody. We will see you tomorrow. We will be talking about whatever decision Charles Jagasaw makes. I think if you're on the message board, you have a pretty good idea of, of what that's going to be. So we will discuss that and we'll talk about where things are. We will have two shows on Friday. Uh, 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern, Micah Bell will be making his decision. We'll be live for that. Saturday, as of right now, we're just going to have our normal Saturday show. For As of now, we, ha- we will have a Sunday show uh, to cover the decision by Rico Flores, and then we will have a show on Monday. I'm not sure if we're going to have two shows on Monday. i got to talk to Ryan because that's obviously July 4th. I don't know what his family has planned. Uh, so we've got to kind of talk about that, whether we'll do a live show or a recorded show. I'll let you all know. Uh, when the time is right. And then, of course, we'll go live whenever. I think it's 4 o'clock is when Christian Gray will make his decision. We'll go live around then to break down what that means for Notre Dame as well. So have a great night, everybody. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. (laughs) 